G'day and welcome to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigao and on this show we're examining biblical concepts and ideas and asking ourselves the important question, is it relevant today? Or is it as outdated and ridiculous as cassette tapes? Our show today is titled, She Prayed For Me. Have you ever had anyone ask you to pray for them? In my line of work, this is something that I constantly get asked. Can you please pray for me? Can you pray for my brother? Can you pray for my friend? Have you ever wondered why? Why do we pray for other people? I used to really battle with this question for a long, long period of time. I mean, God already wants to do good to everyone. I think of my son, for example. God loves my son more than I do. And God wants to do good things for my son much more than I want him to do good things for my son. So what's the point of asking him? I was born in Romania. At the time of my birth, the country was ruled by a cruel communist regime. And it would be another 11 years before Ceausescu and his wife would be executed for their direct involvement in the death of over 70,000. However, when most people think of Romania during the late 80s, all they can think about is communism. But the way I remember it is very different. I have a very different picture. When I was born, my parents were studying medicine at the time. And there was a lot of stress and study involved for them. So I spent most of my young years in a small country town called Roznov. I spent most of my life at grandma's house. Now, the word grandma when referring to my grandma, for me, is foreign. I was extremely close to her, and I called her Mama. I still remember, as we'd wake up in the morning, we'd go to a small kitchen where a wood stove served as both a place to cook and heating for the room. I remember the first thing we did each day was to study the Sabbath school lesson, and Grandma would help me to learn to read the verses so that I could contribute during Sabbath school. Sadly, my mama passed away last year. Her name was Alexandrina. In fact, my daughter Sarah's middle name is Alexandrina in honor of mama. I was closer to her than anyone else in my life besides my wife. And I know that she prayed for me. Mission was of central importance to our family in Romania. And mission there is very different to how mission is here. Mission in a communist country is extremely dangerous. I remember pastors who were told, you have 34 members in your church. The moment you have 35 is the moment you go to prison. And I know many who did go to prison and many who died there. I remember the story of a good friend of mine. His name was Pastor Niku Butoy. And we'll hear all about his story just after this song. Mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, He amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great And armed with cruel hate On earth is not his equal 
strength confide Our striving would be losing We're not the right man on our side The man of God's own choosing Dost ask who that may be Christ Jesus it is He Lord Sabaoth His name from age to age the same And he must win the battle And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us We will not fear for God has will His truth to triumph through us The Prince of Darkness grim We tremble not for Him His rage we can endure For lo, His doom is sure one little word shall fail him That word above all earthly powers No thanks to them abideth The Spirit and the gifts are ours let goods and kindred go This mortal life also The body they may kill God's truth abideth still His kingdom is forever Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Chico and today I'm sharing my testimony and how it relates to my mama. I shared before that I was born in communist Romania where mission work was extremely dangerous. A friend of mine, Nico Butoy, was taken to prison. In a prison about 60 kilometers away from where I was born. And the reason he was taken there was essentially for being a minister and doing outreach. When the Sabbath came, he refused to work. Now, the prison guard was a really cruel man. In fact, he was feared among everyone in the prison because he would often beat inmates to death. And Nico was asked to go to his office the next day. Now, something that Nico didn't know, and he wouldn't find out until many years later when he was able to visit the prison again, was that the previous day the guard had come to look at him in the cell. He had been given instructions to beat Nico to death the next day, and when he came and looked at him, Nico was in his cell praying. And he said that when I looked at you praying, there was this deep fear that came over me. I knew that I had to protect you. 
So the next day, Nikos called to his office. He doesn't know any of this, of course. And the prison guard says to him, I am afraid of you. And Nikos was like, what? Me? How can you be afraid of me? And the guard says, I'm going to help you. So Nikos responds, well, if you want to help me, why don't you help me evangelize this prison? A crazy concept if you think of an atheistic communist country where outreach was essentially prohibited. So the guard said, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to punish you for not working on Sabbath. And the way I'm going to punish you is to make you mop the floors all throughout the prison. When you get in front of a cell, I'm going to instruct the guards to let you in to change your water and clean that cell. And during this time, you'll have time to speak to the people who are in the cell. And in this way, he was able to evangelize the entire prison. Another story that really made an impression of me was a gentleman, again, he was sent to prison for being an Adventist and for doing outreach. When he refused to work on Sabbath, the prison guard lost it. He said, there is no God. You have to work. If you do not work on Sabbath, you are going to die in my prison. And the guy said, look, I I cannot work on this day. So he said, I'm going to put you in this cell and you're only going to get water and you will stay in this cell until you die of starvation. We'll see if your God can save you. So he was put in a small cell and he prayed to God and asked for deliverance. And the next day, he heard a scratching at the window. There was a small window in his cell which he couldn't see because the cell was narrow. He couldn't see out the window. But when he heard the scratching, he lifted up his hand and felt around and there was a piece of thick black Russian bread. And he was like, yes, God is looking after me. So he takes this bread and he's about to eat it. But then he thinks, what if I don't eat this bread? When the guard comes back, I'll be able to show him that God is looking after me. So he doesn't eat the bread and he puts it under his mattress. And the next day, again, he hears a scratching at the window and he reaches up. And sure enough, there's another piece of this thick black Russian bread. And he's thinking, great, I'll eat one and keep the other. But then he was like, what if I have two pieces of bread to show the guard? And this happened again the third and the fourth day. And when the guard came back, he said, has your God been able to provide for you? And the reply was, well, yes, he has. He lifted up the mattress and shows him these four thick pieces of black Russian bread. And the guard absolutely loses it. He says, who's been bringing you this bread? They're going to be in so much trouble. You have to tell me who's been bringing you food. And as the guard is yelling at him, The scratching at the window happens again. Now, because the guard was in the door, he had the angle to be able to see out of the window. And when he saw what was there, his jaw dropped. It was a cat. But not any cat. It was the guard's cat that was bringing him bread from the guard's own home. When he saw this, he said, there is a God in heaven. And he was converted. There are many such stories that I've heard and read about of amazing experiences with God in the prisons of Romania. And this one I just shared actually happened in Russia. Now stay with us after this song and I'll share my first successful outreach experience at the age of six. Like a river flowing down to the sea. 
Like a rushing wind, you flow into me. Like the falling of the snow, like the blood that makes me whole, is the love of God that flows into me. Like a river flowing down to the sea, like a rushing wind, you flow into me. Like the falling of the snow, like the blood that makes me whole, is the love of God that flows into me. And like a river, you come flooding through the desert of my heart, and like the wind. You come rushing, blowing life through every part, and like the snow, you're falling on me with the blood of your own son. And like the sun, you come shining, making darkness run. Just like a river flowing down to. Like a rushing wind, you flow into me. Like the falling of the snow, like the blood that makes me whole, is the love of God that flows into me. And like a river, you come pouring out your love upon the field. And like the wind, you bring the harvest down to take your yield. And like the snow, you come to winter, touching hearts and making warm. And like the sun. Raise the mighty light to calm the storm. Just like a river flowing down to the sea, like a rushing wind, you flow into me. Like the falling of the snow. Like the blood that makes me whole, is the love of God that flows into me. Is the love of God that flows into me. Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. You're listening to Marius Jigao, and today I'm sharing my testimony and how it relates to my grandmother. My grandparents had a big piece of property which the communist government confiscated the majority of and turned it into a woodmill. Now, when I was five and six years old, I used to walk around this woodmill like I owned the place, and I would take little bits of crystallized honey as my grandfather was a beekeeper, and I would take them to the people working there and tell them Bible stories. I remember when I was six years old, I was invited to a friend's house. 
Now, I was hesitant to say yes because I had a bit of a bedwetting problem at the time and was embarrassed to go. But my desire to be with my friends soon overcame my shame, so I decided, okay, I'm going to go. Now, it was a really, really heavy winter. Everything was snowed in and it was extremely cold. And because of this, we could only spend very little time outside. Instead, we spent most of the time inside around the fireplace where the adults were telling their stories of things that they'd experienced. Now, being six years old, I didn't have many life experiences that I could tell them about. So I told them stories from the Bible. And these people, when they took me home, said to my grandparents, where does this child know all these stories from? We've never heard these stories. And this began Bible studies. And this entire family was later baptized into our church. However, later on, the oppression of communism persuaded my family to leave, and my father escaped into Ingoslavia in 1985. And we came to Australia the following year, and left Mama behind. But I know that she prayed for me. I want to ask you, is there someone in your life who you're praying for? Now, I'm not talking about the kinds of prayer where you say, Lord, please help all my friends. I'm saying, is there someone in your life who you're praying for daily, by name? In the words of Martin Luther, he says, we should pray for those around us because God commands it. Now, I'd like to tell you that I have a clear answer to the question that I posed at the beginning, the question of why we should pray for those around us when God already wants to do them good. But the truth is that I don't. I've heard some good answers to this question. One of my favorites is the concept that when someone chooses to exclude God from their life, God cannot respect their free will and still intervene in their lives. But when someone prays for them, this allows God to intervene where he otherwise wouldn't be able to and respect their free will. I think this is a really good answer to the question, but I think there's much more to it than that. How many of us listening today know how a refrigerator works? Is there anyone that's familiar with a vapor compression cycle and the exact workings of a refrigerator and how it works? I remember when I asked this question at church, there was one or two hands that went up. Now, would it be safe to assume that those of us who don't know how refrigerators work don't have them? Because of why would you have one if you don't know how they work, right? No, that wouldn't be safe to assume. That would be ridiculous. You don't need to know how something works in order to use it. I have very little idea of how my phone works. Do you know how it works? Do you know how the LCD screen, how the camera, how all the wireless Bluetooth and all its components work? I'd hazard a guess that most of the people listening don't know how their phones work. But I'd also hazard a guess that most of the people listening have phones of their own. We don't need to know how something works in order to use it. I believe it's exactly the same with prayer. We may not know exactly how prayer works. All we need to know is that it does work. And of this we have many examples, and we'll explore some just after this song. Silver or gold 
I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's red sway I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today This world of 
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Jigao and today I'm sharing my testimony and how it relates to my mama. We've discovered that you don't need to understand exactly how prayer works for you to benefit from it, just as you don't need to know exactly how your phone works for you to be able to use it. We have many examples of the effectiveness of prayer in the Bible. One of my favorites is in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, which says, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. You see, what's happening here gives us a bit of a picture of what's happening behind the scenes. Satan has asked that he may sift Peter. And not Peter only, he's actually asking for the rest of the disciples as well. As when he says, sift you as wheat, the Greek you is a plural you. So essentially he's saying that I may sift you all as wheat. But Jesus responds by saying, but I have prayed for you. What's implied by the way this sentence is structured is that Satan would have been given the right to sift them as wheat had Jesus not prayed for them. Now, I'm not sure why this is, why Satan thought that he may have the right to do this. Maybe because just prior to this, they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. But it does appear that for some reason, Satan believed he had the right to sift them as wheat. But Jesus responds by saying, but I have prayed for you. Because Jesus prayed for them, it implies that Satan was not allowed to do this. When we pray on someone else's behalf, it can dramatically alter the course of events in their life. And a good example of this is the centurion. He came to speak to Jesus about his servant. Now, I'm giving this example because when we normally think of prayer, it happens a bit like this. We look up into the sky and we pray to Jesus who we can't actually see. But what this centurion was doing, essentially, he was praying to God himself. He just had the privilege of standing in front of Jesus and seeing him face to face. In our prayers, we don't often get the privilege to look face to face with Jesus, but we are doing exactly the same thing. And the centurion said, can you please heal my servant? And we know in Luke chapter 7 verse 9, it reads, When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. The centurion had the faith that Jesus could heal the servant even without being there physically. The men who had been sent returned to the house and found that the servant was healed. When we pray for someone else, when we pray on their behalf, it can dramatically alter the course of events in their lives. When we came to Australia, as is often the case when someone leaves a place of oppression to a place of relative ease, I lost my focus on God. I can still remember at a camp meeting when we used to hold them here in Victoria in Nanawading. I remember very clearly the speaker saying, don't play games with God. If you walk away from God, you don't know whether you'll be able to come back. Now, unfortunately, I didn't listen to him. I quickly found myself in a world of drug and alcohol abuse. And by this time, my mama had immigrated to Australia also. And she got to view first hand what I had become. But I know 
that she prayed for me. I remember one day when I was 18 years old, I was leaving school and driving away, and on this drive, I should have lost my life. We'll hear this story just after this song. Cold, he could not find his way. He wandered around, lost and alone, weakening more every day. But then a still small voice started calling his name, and the little lost lamb heard the cry. So he followed the master right back to the fold, and he was sheltered in his arms all the while. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal. Slam set out to search on his own to find happiness outside of the fold. Thought he'd do as he pleased and never worry again. Be his own master and guide of his life. As he was feeding upon the meadow of life. He met a wolf in sheep's clothing one day. The wolf said, "Come with me now. Be happy always. Just give me control of your life." But the poor little lamb, feeling afraid and ashamed, started running, crying, "I'm sorry, Lord." But try as he might. He could not find the fold. He was alone, crying, "I'm sorry, Lord." But then that still small voice started calling his name, and the little lost lamb heard the cry. So he followed the master right back to the fold. And he was sheltered in his arms all the while. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. From the fold's open door, just follow the master right back to the fold, and you'll be sheltered in his arms all the while. 
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. You're listening to Marius Jigo and today I'm sharing my testimony and how the prayers of my grandmother changed my life. When I was 18, I was driving back from school. I remember it like it was yesterday. As I was driving, the car next to me started revving up its engine and I thought, I can do this. So I started revving up my engine. The problem was we had two cars in front of us and the light was red. So the other car, which I remember was a red Pontiac, moved into the right-hand turning lane and ran the red light. I thought, I can do this, so I ran the red light after him. We got to the next set of lights and the red Pontiac also went straight through them. But I knew there was a red light camera there, so I didn't go straight through. But soon enough, the light turned green and I started chasing him. The last thing I remember is I was traveling at 195 kilometers an hour when I lost control of the car and hit a tree. The police said that the impact speed was around 145 kilometers an hour. The car had no airbags. The dashboard of the car was snapped in half. The steering wheel was shattered and I was in a coma for a few hours. But besides this, I had no broken bones. All I had was a few stitches in my top eyelid. I believe that this was a direct answer to the prayers of my mama. Another time I remember driving back from Geelong. I was in my early 20s. I had drank most of a bottle of vodka and taken 103 various tablets, predominantly sleeping tablets and opioids. And I remember as I was coming out of Geelong, I started to fall asleep. Not surprisingly. And I thought to myself, Marius, you need to pull over or you're going to fall asleep and crash. And I said to myself, okay, there's a McDonald's coming up on the right in about a kilometer. I'll pull over and I'll park there and I'll sleep there. And I continued driving and then I fell asleep. I woke up a little over an hour later. I still remember it clearly. I was with my head on the steering wheel and I jumped up and I was like, where am I? I was at the exit of the what's now Monash Freeway onto Turak Road. Who was driving during that period? I don't know. I was sleeping. I believe this again is a direct answer to Mama's prayers on my behalf. Now, this isn't so much a story of my stupidity as it's the story of the unceasing and relentless prayers of my Mama. I have a friend I met at Avondale. And we became really close friends. And the reason for this is because we shared a common past. You see, I praise God that he was able to work in my life while Mama was still alive. I praise God that she was able to witness what God can do with a broken sinner. But this isn't always the case. My friend at Avondale, who I mentioned I shared a common past, also got lost in a world of drug and alcohol abuse. At one point, he was so bad that he had lost everything. He'd lost his home, he'd lost his job, he'd lost everything. All he had left was his car, and he told me he would sleep in the car and he would eat from the dumpster. And his parents were praying for him. And as they were getting on in age, they decided to buy a burial ground, and they bought a space for three because they were so convinced that their son would die of a drug-related incident before they would. But nevertheless, they continued praying for him for 20 years. And then they died. And they don't know what happened. I would love 
to be next to my friend on Resurrection Day. I would love to see the look on his parents' faces when they see the answer to their prayer standing next to them. That will be an amazing day. My friend is now a minister in WA. Who would have thought that one day God would take a useless junkie like myself, take me out of the pit that I had dug for myself, and would turn me around to follow him? Who would have thought that my friend who was eating from the dumpster would one day work as a pastor? Who would have thought that one day I would be praying and asking God for a child that I can raise up in his honor? Who would have thought When you pray on someone else's behalf, it can dramatically alter the course of events in their lives. My grandfather, Tata, pulled me aside a few years back and said to me, Marius, you know how Mama was praying for you all those years? I said, yeah, I know. I'm really thankful for it. He said, there's something you don't know. Mama didn't just pray for you. She also fasted for you. Every Wednesday. For 15 years. I know that one day we'll be together in heaven. And we'll be walking hand by hand. And I know that people will come up to me and say, Marius, how did you get here? And I will first tell them of the amazing and wondrous love of Jesus. And then I will turn around and look at her and say, And she prayed for me. We thank you for listening today and don't forget to visit our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today where we have video presentations on many topics including the one we've just been talking about called She Prayed For Me. We look forward to seeing you next week. I'm Marius Chiga. God bless and I hope you have a magnificent day.
yourself to me.
You've been listening to Is It Relevant Today? If you have any questions or comments, please leave them on our Facebook page, Is It Relevant Today? But for now, thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next week. I love to tell the story T'will be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love